I'm Gabby. Welcome to the Happier Life Project, brought to you by Mental Health and Wellness app, My Possible Self, in partnership with the Priory Healthcare. The Happier Life Project is all about feeding you with the best possible tools and resources to help you live a more contented and fulfilled life. And for the next two episodes, we are going to learn all about the power of self-inquiry to tackle limiting beliefs and letting go of old stories that do not serve us. And we're doing this with the help of Ernest Holmes Fenston, a best-selling author, trainer, and a master of the work of Byron Katie, who if you haven't heard of yet, you will learn all about very soon. Our conversation was so good and Ernest was so generous with his time that I had to split our chat into two parts. So today we are really going to get stuck into looking at and challenging negative thoughts and self-beliefs. So ready to find a healthier, happier you? Then let's get started. Ernest Tone Spenson, welcome. I've listened to both of your audiobooks. You have a great tone to your voice, which makes it more digestible as well, I feel. So we'll start there. Thank you. I, I appreciate <laughs> you for saying that. That's a good that's a good opening for an interview. <laughs> right. But let's talk about some of the credentials. Gre- grease me a little from the start. Yeah. Well, let's talk quickly about you and um, the theme of today's episode. So you're a best-selling author of How to Live in the Now, How to End the Stories That Screw Up Your Life. Your business is the art of being human. Aside from being a best-selling author, can I ask you about the business side? Certified as an NLP master coach, a circling leader and a facilitator for the work. I don't know what any of that is, but it sounds important. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, um, I think of these things, the main thing is that I'm a certified facilitator for the work of Byron Katie. That is sort of my core practice. Mm. as a both as a retreat when I do the retreats and and uh, workshops and, and when I work one-on-one with people and then and then I would say that my uh, the overarching idea is that that what I support is self-inquiry so so I support you in inquiring into what's going on in your mind and your body mm. uh, uh, in order to facilitate shifts in your uh basically in what I call your map of reality, your perception of the world. And as those shifts occur, then, then your world changes. Uh, and then I do that using all kinds of analogies and tools and whatever just comes to me. I'm, I'm not sort of uh, uh, religious about any particular uh, uh, approach or method. Mm. Um, and as part of that practice, I then continue to pick up new things and continue to be interested in, in, in new stuff and, and new methods. At the moment, I'm doing a year-long training with Gabo Mate on compassionate inquiry, which, which is a slightly different type of inquiry, more trauma-informed um, mm-hmm. uh, process. And so NLP, yes, it's, it's, been, it's been quite a while since I uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, trained got trained in those things and I don't use them very much directly mm-hmm. so no point in talking too much about that but it's like okay. a, a way to work with the, the nervous system and the mind uh, right. circling is a very interesting practice of um, basically sitting together a group of people in a circle and being with whatever comes up together oh. so it's a it's it's in a way a shared meditation but it's a meditation on what happens in relationships so so it's a it's a it's a being with the the field of relating that that occurs and that might be that i trigger you or you trigger me and then we bring that or that i am 
attracted to you even or or that I have something going on for me that I share and then and then there are these reactions from different people and mm-hmm. and the, the main point is continually revealing and and being open to what's going on in you and and what happens in others and and meeting in that space. Do you form a circle with people you already know and it's to work through existing problems within like the the network or is it like all complete strangers that get together in a circle? It can be complete strangers. There are often people I don't know uh, and and people I know since there's a community around it with, with a, like a, a mixed group of people. And it's not actually to work through a certain problem. It's, it's in that sense, it's a different modality. It is a meditation. And what happens is in bringing yourself and being seen, I also, the retreat I just came home from yesterday in Finland was on radical honesty, which which has some of the same qualities mm. um, uh, of, of, of letting yourself be seen and, and seeing others. And, and it's not problem oriented in the sense necessarily that I have this, let's work on it. That's more, that's more, uh, that's a more classical approach. This is about trusting that who and what you are, who and what you truly are is good and kind and, and can be trusted to guide you. And, and, and in allowing space for that, instead of going with our programming, we can call it, or our, our and what we've been hypnotized with from from childhood mm. and 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 surrendering more to what's actually real getting real with other people what shows up is is exactly that which is um required and and uh, and what we desire and wow. see yeah, yeah, I've never heard of that before. That sounds really, no. really interesting. No. So thank you for sharing. Um, I just want to sort of conclude the About You with a statement uh-huh. from your website that you said, for more than 20 years, it's been my privilege to support people in finding freedom from their beliefs, which is kind of the theme of today's episode it of is. the podcast, mm-hmm. which is letting go of the negative thought patterns and the old stories that basically do take their toll on our mental health and it happens a lot doesn't it yes to to everybody well it is how we live i mean i would say the human the human predicament or or what it is to be human is to live in stories that that's what we do unlike most other animals i i judge and and i don't know the experience of other animals but that would Mm be uh based on the science that i know what, what we can assume yeah that 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 they are with their beingness all the time they just exist in the world and and do not reflect they more just react and respond to what's going on most of them whereas we humans we have this layer of of interpretation of what's going on what i call our map of reality and that is that consists of stories or or beliefs that spin stories and so we actually live in a story so so an example would be that uh, if there was a dog here that was very uh, and i was afraid of dogs i would be in a state of fear because that dog is there but it's actually not the dog i'm afraid of it's my interpretation of the dog filtered through my past experience with dogs where i may have been bitten or, or something may have happened so i'm not seeing the dog i'm seeing my story about dogs and if in that story there are beliefs about dangerous elements then I will react fearfully, which I should. It's a good system. It means that we can get experience with the world and use that experience to act from. Mm. The only problem is when there are beliefs there about the world that are uh, inconsistent with how the world really is, then we start having reactions that are not aligned with reality, uh, whatever that is, but but at least that are further off from reality than than the than what is beneficial. And, and so we start having behavior based on the emotional reactions we have on those interpretations. And that behavior then feeds, it becomes a loop of, 
of misunderstanding or, or having a map that isn't correct and then acting from that map and then making things making matters worse. And ultimately, I would say all our suffering and all our problems um, uh, arise in that in the distance between reality as it is and and our uh, understanding of reality or our beliefs about reality. Mm-hmm. The further those two are apart, the more suffering there'll be. So your job is basically to work with clients, when you do work with clients, is to sort of <clears throat> help them reframe from the dog that's scary to the dog that's really cuddly and loving and, and you want to, like, give it a hug or a stroke. Yes, and to be a little more nerdy about that, I would say that... Uh, Speaking about NLP, that would be the approach there. Let's reframe. Uh, reframing is a word from NLP, I, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, because it's an old practice. But let's reframe our understanding of the dog into a more cuddly thing. So that's me going in to make a change or you yourself going in to create, consciously create a change in your map of reality. Mm-hmm. That's a very crude way to say what that and many other practices are about. Whereas this work that I do is more about you questioning your beliefs about the dog. And in that questioning, those beliefs will, you will see through those beliefs. You will see, no, I don't know that the dog is necessarily dangerous and, and it'll fall apart. And, and we are not putting something instead of that. We are trying to just open the mind and stay open. Mm. And in that sense, it's different from creating a new map consciously. We are saying, let's question all the maps we have to go from closed mind to open mind, to go from believing I know anything to knowing that I don't know anything and mm. then stepping into the world, knowing that I don't know, which leaves me an open uh, being in the world. And then I continuously create new stories. And then I can continuously question those stories and go back to being open. So, because the dog might be dangerous, right? It, it is possible that the dog is dangerous. Yeah. And, and I want to be open to both op- options, but I don't want to lock myself into living in a, a constant fear of dogs. What if it's a, a limiting self-belief? So it's not yes. a belief that's maybe we think that dog could pose a threat. It's a limiting belief uh-huh. that um, yeah. I'm not good enough for this person that I want to have a relationship with, or yeah. oh, I'm not going to go for that job promotion or the career change because I'm not good enough. That's yeah. probably where the work gets quite a bit harder, I would imagine. Um, or or well, is it the same, no, no. same approach? <laughs> no? Okay. Yeah, I, I would say it's not harder. It's the, same, it's the same fundamental principle because that's how our mind works. This is, just, this is just not a belief about a dog. It's a belief about ourself, ourselves. But the system is the same. We have created a story in our interpretation of the world. And part of that story is that we believe we are somebody. You believe you are Gabby, and 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 I could believe that I am Ernest. And and when I believe that I'm Ernest, then there it goes. A story goes with that. Mm-hmm. Now, now the truth is that that if my wife, and and my daughter and my mother, if they all look at me, they see three very different Ernests. The the the, the, the Ernest that my mother knows or and believes to exist is very different from. A, a movie is playing out for me right now. I'm like seeing it. <laughs> Exactly. Right. And they could be looking at me in the same situation. I'm doing some behavior. I'm, I'm picking something up and putting it in its place or something. And they will have three very different stories. And I will have my story also about who I am. And, and we can ask the question, which of those four stories is the true story about? Yeah. To which I imagine you would agree. The, the answer is none of them is, is true or all of them, or there is no, it's not possible to say, what the true earnest is, we can just say there are four different earnests in that situation uh, being perceived, uh, perceived 
through the, the maps or the filters of, of four different people. And for me, my story might hold a belief about me that I'm not good enough, for example, to, to for a, a, a romantic relationship I want to be in or for a job or, or whatever. That's just part of my story. Someone else might look at me and think I'm the perfect match for that. Yeah. So so the job would be to question this, this belief. I'm not good enough for that job. Is that true? And then the, the, the work of Byron Katie offers a particular structure of, of questions and something called turnarounds. And, and there are other methods, and I have found this to be the by far the most effective that I know. It's, I'm open to the idea that there may be other methods that are even more uh, effective. Mm-hmm. And But the, the idea is the same by questioning through a certain process, this belief, I'm not good enough. I discover, if I question it deep enough, that that I don't know that to be true. Mm. That, that, that That's just something someone told me, or it's because something happened in the past. It's obvious, since I haven't done the job yet, I can't know if I'm good enough. So I'm definitely basing that interpretation on past experience. Mm. And that may be that in school, my teacher laughed at me when I tried to do a math project. And and we can ask the question, does the fact that I failed at math in school prove that I'm not good enough at this job? Because that's the assumption that my mind is making. Mm. And and does it prove it? Uh, Does the fact that your father said that you were messy or whatever, I'm just picking something here, prove yeah. that you're not a good potential romantic partner for this person. Mm. And in those two examples, I, I imagine you you can see that, no, that's not very good proof. And still, that's the proof our mind is running with. So by noticing that and really asking into that, we start seeing that, oh, I've actually been perceiving myself through that pre-created story. That's the thing Gabo Mate likes to say, and I really think it's beautiful. Our minds create the world but first, the world creates our minds. Mm, and I really like so that. True. So true. Yeah. So we, we grow up in a certain environment and, and that creates a certain perspective. And then we start creating our world through that. And then we find tons of proof that we are not good enough. Yeah. But actually, when we start really questioning it, we discover that's very bad proof. It's, and it's so skewed in a certain direction. And it's all because we had an experience at three. Yeah, uh, or that our children didn't pick us up enough, or didn't come when we were crying, or you know whatever. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say, definitely, self worth and worthiness has always been. Whenever we've asked any of our app users or put any poll out on social media in terms of uh-huh. what do you need help with, what do you struggle most yeah. with, yeah, it, it's always, if not number one, top top yeah. couple yeah. of things in terms yes. of like, you know, what's that's doing for a person's mental well being and state yes. of mind but actually yeah. like I get frustrated because we get labeled all the time don't we we get we all these labels or we label ourselves and that's because of society and because of social media and so it surely must be really hard to challenge those statements that are making us feel bad about ourselves when we're yeah. constantly being fed you should look this size you know, you should have this many followers on on social media. You know, there's that judgment thing, isn't there, all the time that I need in order to succeed as well or to be loved. This is the criteria you need to meet. Yeah, yeah, and and I do want to to say that I mean that is true, and it's only a problem because we buy into it. Mm. I, I I don't believe actually in reinforcement in that sense that just because I hear it a lot it's hard to escape it. I am noticing it because I believe in myself already. 
I believe I need a ton of followers, or I believe I need to have a certain weight or a certain body in order to be accepted. I believe that before social media. Mm. And, and so it's my use of the social media that makes me reinforce that in me. And the moment, and that is really my experience, the moment I see through this um, belief, it becomes irrelevant how many followers I have. And, and, and it will never suddenly become relevant again because I have seen, I have truly seen that the amount of followers I have on social media says nothing, nothing about my quality as a human being. Mm. And when I've really seen that, I can't suddenly unsee that. What, what is seen cannot be unseen. I, when I have truly understood that, I'm not going to fall back into believing it again. Yeah, I, I, I sometimes use this example. Imagine you're at the airport and, and you're, you're, you've come in early. So you've come two hours early because you want to browse around in the shops or whatever. And then, and then you look at the clock and you realize your gate is closing in 10 minutes. And you're like, ah, wow, no, no. And you start rushing through the airport trying to make it. And, and, and you're in panic and you round a corner. And then you see you had forgotten that you came two hours early. So you realize there's an hour and 10 minutes until your gate closes. It's mm-hmm. not 10 minutes. It's an hour and 10 And then the challenge is, okay, so now make yourself believe again that there is only 10 minutes. You've seen that it's an hour and 10 minutes. And now make yourself believe it's only 10 minutes. And I imagine you can see that you wouldn't be able to. You can't go like, oh, (laughs) you you can't just look at the clock and believe it again because you have seen what is more true. Uh And that's how it goes with everything. Once you've seen it, the mind works like that. It wants the best possible uh, information to operate on. So once it has information that actually is, is better, it's not going to go back to bad information. Right. So these shifts can happen like that if you, if you, you know. So this is the work of Byron Katie. Yes. Who is Byron Katie and how did you find the work? Yeah, Byron Katie, you, you can find at thework.com. She's, she's a, this, this American, very classic, I would say, American uh, uh what do we what do we call them self help teacher kind of kind of guru right. uh, character in in sort of the american uh, in the american way and the american uh, classic american system with a lot and lot and lot of depth who one day and and you can hear her own story at some point i i don't want to paraphrase it but realized that this was how it was and that shifted her life completely and she turned that into she she saw this process of investigating your beliefs and that the beliefs are the things that create the world and 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 this notion of 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 questioning came to her she had no background knowledge of anything which makes her approach so fresh it's not based in any existing tradition it's it's a direct experience of from her own life that she has turned into this this very impactful process of first asking some questions specific series of questions is it true can you absolutely know that it's true how do you react? What happens when you believe it? And who would you be without it? Which is like a way of opening our system mm-hmm. up and waking it up to this may be a really bad idea yeah. to believe this. Can you repeat like, those really... questions again, but more slowly yeah. so that we can digest them? Yeah, good. They're important yeah. questions, aren't they? Yes, yes. Yeah, they are in a sense. So I'm I'm, um, I'm, I'm wanting to go for a, um, like my dream job and I've just, I've seen it's been advertised with, it's within the same company. Yeah. But I know yeah. I've got really stiff competition. There's some great candidates. I, yeah. I'm thinking maybe I shouldn't go put myself out there because I don't want to be rejected and I'm probably not going to get it. What would yeah. be the questions to try and turn this around? Yeah, well, well, so, so um, 
in reality, we would have a little conversation of probing around and, and examining what's going on in your map of reality about this. I hear you don't want to, you're afraid of rejection. So there's one thing there. You believe something about what being rejected means. I also hear you don't think you're good enough. And I imagine that you also imagine that, that if you apply for the job and you don't get it, then since it's a job inside the company, it might have some kind of consequences internally in, the, in, in terms of your career or how others view you or something like that. That could also be the case. Mm. So they're like different, different things going on. And, and we would uncover like what are the, the, the system of beliefs here in play. And, and let's say that, that it is that you believe something about being rejected. Let's, let's take that. So, so what is it you believe about being rejected? What, what is the problem with being rejected for this job? What, what, what do you think it would mean if you got rejected for this job? Uh, it just reinforces what I think about myself, which is, uh, I'm not smart enough. Um, I'm never, yeah. I'm never gonna have more money. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you apply and get rejected for this job, it means you're not smart enough. Yes. And then the first question, the first question, is that true? That you, if you get rejected for this job, it means you're not smart enough. Is that true? No. No, no. And, and then you just let that settle. So that's your everyday mind going. And now we are contacting something deeper in you. We're slowing down and we're looking at, is it actually true, this thing I'm believing? And you're seeing now that at least part of you can see, no, it's not actually true. Mm. And then we will skip the second question, which is only if you say yes to the first question, I would ask, can you absolutely know that it's true? But since you've given me a no, then we'll skip that one. Right. So now we then, then we then say, okay, let's look at what it's like for you to believe this. So this is the third question. How do you react? What happens when you believe the thought that being rejected for this job means you're not smart? Um, how do I react? I'm going to get upset. I'm going to be embarrassed to be around my colleagues that know I went for the job. Um, yeah. I'm just not going to feel good about myself. Right. And we're not going to do it now, if I understand you correctly, in, in, in the subtle clues here. We, we are still in sort of an over, yeah. just looking at it from a high level. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So what, what, what we would do, is we, we would find a specific situation because specificity is really good for the nervous system. Instead of being in general, like I'm, I'll be embarrassed, we would go and say, okay, give me a situation with a colleague that knows that you've been rejected for this job. And you believe this thought and, and what happens in your interaction with that person and then you might discover well i i don't want to talk about it when it's brought up i become flustered my i get red in the face my my i have butterflies in the belly i i i make myself small i talk about something else i avoid begin to avoid this person in the lunch break you know all of these reactions might happen and i see images from the past of another promotion that that where i was passed over and someone else was promoted instead of me and and how, you know, whatever stories happened there. And I see a future where, and I heard from you, where I might never get the amount of money that I want mm -hmm. because I don't believe I can get a job. But, so I see a future of still living in my one room apartment and, and never progressing out of that and being dependent on my, uh, on a, my husband for, for income forever or, you know, whatever your fears are there. I see that movie. So we, we simply look at all the things you do in your nervous system. Mm. Images in your head, repeating thoughts, things you say to yourself, how you respond to others, how you avoid stuff, how unpleasant it is for you. Mm -hmm. This is about really experiencing the pain of believing this thought that, that you're not smart enough. And, and, and it, because it's about the nervous system connecting the, 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 the pain 
of that belief with, uh, with the belief itself. And, and as we do that, something begins to happen, like the nervous system becomes ready to question this, to open them itself up to having a new perspective on this, because it really doesn't want to do anything painful. It has just learned that this is the best way to survive, to believe I'm not smart enough. For whatever reason, you decided that back in the day, mm. probably to adjust to whatever, to adapt to whatever environment you, you grew up in. You know, we, we could uncover that and it's not necessary. Yeah. But anyway, we look at that. And when we've done that for a while, and you've really seen the consequences of, and felt the consequences, then we move to question four, which is, who would you be without the thought that if you get rejected for this job, it means you're not smart enough? So who would you be? Let's play with that still. If you didn't, if you imagine just that I could take it out of your head mm -hmm. and for whatever reason, mm -hmm. you just didn't have it. And you see this job uh, uh, advertisement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would be um, ambitious, confident, and I'd, I'd go for it. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 And, and again, we would take you to a specific situation, the same one as before, perhaps, where you were with that colleague. Without the thought, how would it be to interact with that colleague? And you notice you would probably feel relaxed in your body. You would be happy to talk about the job. It would be like, yeah, I'm going to apply for this. And I really mm -hmm. hope I get it. It would be so great. I want to move out of that apartment. And this would give it to me. You would be, you know, free, happy and sharing and yeah. possibly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I don't, then it wasn't my time, you know, yeah. it's not so bad. Yeah, you would perhaps even be open to seeing because, yeah, some of the other beliefs, like, for instance, I will never get out of my apartment. We, we can ask that question too. If you don't get this job, that means you'll never get money. Is that true? And obviously it's not. Mm -hmm. And and you would, you would move beyond that as well. And without the thought, you feel the relaxation in your system. You feel confident, open to share, uh, optimistic about the future. It's a very different state. So now we have, now your nervous system has experienced these states and it's beginning to open up to changing because it's, it's beginning to notice that actually the strategy is running. It's, it's not a very good strategy for what it wants to achieve, which is for you to be happy and safe. So then we move to the second part, to the next part of the work, the last part, which is called the turnarounds. And what we do here is we turn the thoughts around and find proof or, or um, support that the turnaround thoughts might be as true. So in this case, it would be, if I am rejected for this job, it means I'm not smart enough. And the turnaround could be, if I'm rejected for this job, it does not mean that I'm not smart enough. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I ask you, you it sounds like you agree with that statement. <laughs> yes. And, and, and tell me, why do you agree with it? What, what comes up for you as proof or as like support for that idea that it, it's actually not proof that you're not smart enough? Because there's a lot more factors as to, you know, why the outcome is the way it is. Yes. And, and I would also add, if it was happening to a friend of mine, I would know that that wasn't the case. Yes. Or I would believe, Good. I would believe, I wouldn't really know because nobody ever knows, do they? But I would believe right. that that wasn't the case. Well, what I'm hearing is that if it was a friend of yours who was rejected for this job, it wouldn't actually change if this was a close friend, your understanding of that person's level of smart. Yes. It, it, you would just have that as, oh, you got rejected for that. You would assume maybe, maybe, yeah, it, it wouldn't change anything in who you saw that person as, right? Absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. And as you said about yourself, there are so many other factors involved. That, yeah, there could be so many reasons why this person is selected over me. Maybe they're looking for a person of a certain gender, a certain age, a certain personal qualities that fit the, the job. 
um, nothing necessarily to do with smart. You mm. could be the smartest one in the, in the place and still not get the job, which could be another example or proof. Yeah, it, it's not determined by smart only. You just have to be above a certain level. And once you're above that, other factors come into play that yeah. may have nothing to do with you. There may even be another internal candidate who's already secretly selected for the job and they're just going through the motions. Or There, there are so many reasons why you can't say, if I'm rejected, it means I'm not smart enough. Mm. And, and, and looking at your face right now, <laughs> uh, I, I tell myself that, that this has shifted for you. And, and even though we're only playing with it, still, yeah. it's like you, you've, you've lit up in a way. And, and can you see now that it would be hard for you to go back to believing what you just believed? Because yes. you've seen this about your friend. You've seen that that doesn't make sense. So now you can't make yourself believe again that if I get rejected, it means I'm not smart enough. It's like, no. Mm. And so it shifted in you. Yeah, you, you've changed something in your map of reality now and, and you see this differently. And the, the wonderful thing is by doing just this one example, that actually connects to a fundamental belief, which has to do with something about being smart enough and what rejection means in terms of that. So it's not just this one situation that is impacted. It's actually across the board, all kinds of situations that show up in your life where you make this assumption because something has, and I, I want to say we've only touched the surface here, right? Yes, but, right. but if we had done a, a deep work on this, something would have shifted deep in you that meant that, that this dynamic would not play out. This belief would not impact you in all kinds of other places where it also impacts you because it shifted in you. Yeah. Yeah. So by working on one specific situation, we are actually working with a lot of stuff. By working with your sister, you're working with your colleague. By working with your dad, you're working with your boss. By working with your mother, you're working with... Because we project these beliefs. It's actually us who carry the beliefs. Mm. And then we project them onto the world. And that's why I said, once it's shifted in you to know that you're good enough, you will not project that story onto the number of followers you have on social media. Because right. it's like, yeah, those are the people who choose to follow and, and it doesn't mean anything about me. But if you believe you're not good enough, yeah. then you will look everywhere for proof. That you're not, and you well, will project this story onto everything. Yeah. You're waiting yeah. for a rejection to show itself Con where it might not be there. Constantly. Mm. And you will interpret even what is not a rejection as a rejection. Right? So, <laughs> so you might ask somebody, do you want to go to the movies? And the person might say, no, I, I don't feel like it. And you'll, be, you'll think it's personal. He or she doesn't feel like going out with you. But actually, they just came home from Finland yesterday and they're tired. But you make it mean. And often then we don't ask because we're afraid of hearing what we fear that they would say. Like, no, I, I want to go with, with Laura instead. Like, we don't want to hear that. So we don't ask, why, are you, why don't you want to go with me? So it never gets clarified. So we stay in our illusion that mm. yeah they don't like me and and they are rejecting me and my proof is they don't even want to go to the the cinema with me. Yeah. and we never check it yeah which is where the radical honesty and the circling stuff comes in yeah Hello friends, Gabby back with you. We are pausing the conversation now to really let that session sink in with Ernest Holmes Svensson. Wasn't it really, really powerful stuff? So thank you for making it through to the end of this episode of the Happier Life Project. And um, thanks again to Ernest, who will be back next week. So make sure if you haven't already subscribed to this podcast that you do so, so that you can check out the second part of my chat with Ernest, which we're calling How to Let Go of the Stories That Screw Up Your Life. 
Now, if you are suffering with your mental health, there is a crisis button on the My Possible Self app, which will signpost you to the contact information for immediate expert advice. Those of you who are listening on one of the podcast platforms, if you haven't got the My Possible Self app, don't worry, it is completely free to download, so it won't cost you anything. And make sure you are following us on social media. We are at My Possible Self, and I've been at Radio Gabby. So take care. Bye for now, and I'll see you on the next one.